Welcome to the Beef Watch Podcast. I'm Aaron Berger, a Nebraska Extension Beef Educator. For today's Beef Watch Podcast, we're going to be discussing an article from the October issue of the Beef Watch newsletter titled, Science Guide Outlines New Approach for Reducing Eastern Red Cedar. To discuss this topic, I'm joined today by one of the co-authors, Dylan Fogarty, who's a program coordinator for the Working Lands Conservation at the University of Nebraska. Thanks for joining me today. Thanks, Aaron. Dylan, before we dive into the article that you co-authored with Drock Tidwell, tell us a little more about yourself, your background, and your current role there at the University of Nebraska. Yes, yeah, so I'm a I'm a PhD candidate in Drock Tidwell's lab. Last year, I transitioned to program coordinator for Woody Encroachment uh, issue in the state and working with groups outside of the university to better coordinate between management and science on on the encroachment problem. So let's talk a bit about eastern red cedar, what's happened with that in Nebraska over the last 50, 60 years. Why now is there such a recognition of the fact that eastern red cedar has become a major issue for prairies, for grasslands, and thinking about different structures or different ways to manage this species? It's a great question. I mean, you know, really what we've seen in the Great Plains is our grasslands have become at increased risk of encroachment. Later in the talk, I'll, we'll break down this risk and vulnerability framework that we use to talk about encroachment. But essentially, we've had grasslands that were maintained by frequent fire that limited trees. As they've lost fire, they've become more sensitive to encroachment. And additionally, we put more seed sources on the landscape. So grasslands are now have higher exposure to the problem. And what we've seen is this issue spread across the plains and in Nebraska, we're, we're starting to see just unprecedented risk and unprecedented rates of encroachment in our grassland. So it's really become a hot topic as trees spread out onto the landscape and displace our native grasses and forbs. So let's dive into the topic and just uh, get to the heart of it. As we think about what's happened again over the last, I'd say really since European settlement and the establishment of windbreaks, the reduction of fire, We've seen some pretty major changes to what happens on the landscape prior to where we were 100, 150 years ago. Kind of walk through with us just what the situation may have looked like then compared to what it looks like now. And and why are we seeing this drastic change in the landscape? Yeah, so historically we had Great Plains grassland biome maintained by frequent fire. So Native Americans used fire to create an environment which they could thrive in in the Great Plains those fires limited the occurrence of trees, created a open and an expansive, highly productive grassland. Since European settlement, fire exclusion policies have removed that critical feedback process from the Great Plains. So what happens is trees are now able to establish in places where they previously could not. We've increased the Great Plains sensitivity to encroachment. An analogy of sensitivity that we use is different skin tones are more or less sensitive to to the sun. Grasslands can become more or less sensitive to encroachment. When we we remove fire, they become more sensitive. The other big factor is exposure. For encroachment, exposure is driven by the seed and seed dispersal. Historically, Great Plains grasslands had very little exposure to cedar. Cedar is a rare species. However, we've planted it now throughout the Great Plains in, in windbreaks, And so we've really changed the exposure element in the Great Plains. And what we're seeing now is unprecedented rates of encroachment. 
there's been studies that have looked at this globally. We're seeing native tree species expand into grassland biomes throughout the world. In the Western U.S. rangelands, there's a study conducted in 2020, looked at changes in rangeland vegetation, tracked perennials, annuals, bare ground, shrub cover, and trees. The biggest change in our rangelands over the last 20 years was an increase in tree cover. So encroachments become a national rangeland problem. In the Great Plains, we're actually witnessing the biome transition as we've removed fire and an increased exposure to seed sources. We're seeing this transition occur as, as grasslands start to transition to woody dominated systems or woodlands at large scales. Let's talk a little bit about the cedar itself, the plant, understanding why this tree can be such a strong seed source. How long is the seed viable? Just thinking about all the windbreaks in Nebraska that have been planted, again, over the last, some of them going back 75, 100 years, you know, for a lot of folks, they spent a lot of time and effort establishing these windbreaks for protection of livestock, for protection of property. And now we're starting to see, you know, these cedar trees dispersing seed onto grasslands, uh, trees being established in locations where we really don't want to see them. How do we think about all this and understanding the seed stores, understanding the trees and and thinking about windbreaks and livestock production, uh, farmstead protection? Give us some perspective as we think about this situation. Yeah, good question. So, you know, past guidance is, has focused on managing trees and, and and woodland patches. One of the things this new approach does is it really nails down on the biology of encroachment and identifies you know weaknesses in the life cycle that we can manage. So your your question about the seed and longevity is a great one and, and it's a really important piece of information for improving how we manage encroachment. So talk a little bit about the seed source. I mean we're thinking here about mature trees that are producing seed. How long is seed viable? Uh, how does it spread? What are some things to understand about that? So they've studied seed production on trees. Seed production can start when trees are about five feet tall is when we start to see trees putting on seed. As that tree mature, matures, seed production increases. They've done studies that, that have shown mature trees can hold about 1.5 million seeds per year on the higher end. The majority of those seeds are going to get dispersed beyond the canopy tree by birds into our adjacent grasslands. Once they've been dispersed, based on current research, those seeds are viable for about two years. After two years, 95% of the seeds are no longer viable. So that's that's good news from a from a management perspective. These these trees don't have you know 30-year seed banks based on research that's been conducted. One of the other parts we've talked about is, or we've researched here in the Nebraska Sandhills, is how far those seeds are going into grasslands. So where do we see encroachment in relative to where our seed sources are? And what we found is that within two football fields or 200 yards, we see 95% of recruitment occurring. That's not to say recruitment doesn't occur past that distance, but it, it, it occurs at a much lower rate beyond that distance. So it may sound like recruitment's happening pretty far from our seed sources, but from a management perspective, it really helps having that information so we can manage that recruitment from our seed sources. You know, from my perspective, that's actually encouraging because I think about the ranches I work with, the value they place on their cedar tree windbreaks for 
livestock protection for protection from wind events, weather, as they think about homesteads, ranch sites. You know, if we do have an existing windbreak and we have not had trees escape out of that basically 200 yards either side of those windbreaks, if we can manage any new seedlings that come up in those areas, be paying attention to ones that might even escape beyond that, perhaps we can still get the benefit from that windbreak without needing to uh, totally remove that, just recognizing the risk that that windbreak also presents to us. That's right. That's what we tell people is we should recognize the risk that that windbreak poses on the landscape. We put it in probably for some very specific benefits we were hoping to get out of it. Those benefits we should be comparing against you know, the risk and, and what it's going to cost to maintain grasslands around that windbreak. So absolutely. So let's talk a little about management of grasslands where we've seen cedar tree encroachment. We have mature trees. What are some strategies we need to maybe think about differently now in light of this new knowledge? What we should think about for management is how we can reduce risk on the landscape. And at minimum, how we can prevent risk from increasing. So like we were just talking about with a windbreak, if we've determined to keep a windbreak in its current location, we should think about the management required to prevent spread from that windbreak, to prevent risk from increasing around that windbreak. So we're talking about managing early stages of the life cycle around that windbreak. So that buffer zone where we can employ a a strategy to never let a new seed bearing tree uh, within that area. Beyond that 200 yards or 200 yard buffer, we can have a monitoring approach that prevents new seed bearing trees from occurring further from that windbreak. I think about what we talk about with noxious weeds. We talk about early detection, rapid response. And it appears to me in our conversation that some of these same principles are applying as we think about maintaining a windbreak and keeping the trees where we want them and not allowing them to move into grasslands where we don't. Yeah, we actually, we talk about using an early detection, rapid response framework for managing encroachment. It's it's really important for preventing the expansion of seed sources. You know, if we can catch those trees before they get to five feet tall and start to put on seeds, we can maintain a low level of risk in a landscape. So absolutely. One of the things you talk about in the article is just when we think about uh, maybe burning a pasture, removing the trees, if we really want to have a long-term effect, we also have to make sure we get any trees that escape the fire and still are seed bearing. I guess just give us some perspective there about the importance of of managing these seed-bearing trees. If we have a few escape, those can be still a real source of problem going forward. Yeah, one of the you know one of the easiest ways to reduce risk is by removing the sources of exposure. It's something our new guide really hammers home. Encroachment can occur when there's when a grassland's not exposed to the seeds. So, in our treatments, when we're going in, we're removing those seed sources. What we've seen in past treatments is they tend to leave a few trees or maybe, you know, some trees on some steep slopes, or like you mentioned, a fire treatment, if it leaves behind a few big trees. Past approaches have have thought that that was okay to leave those trees on the landscape. What we're seeing now is that those trees pose a lot of risk and they require us to come out to that place and perpetually manage it because we haven't removed the seed source. So it's really important with management now to be able to fully remove those seed sources, whether that's, you know, coming back after a prescribed fire or even a wildfire. If a wildfire removed 85% of seed bearing trees, 
going back out after and removing those seed sources can really be a benefit in reducing future management needs. Dylan, in this article, you highlight, again, a new guide that outlines these approaches. Where can that information be found? That resource we link to in the BeefWatch article, we can access a full online copy of the guide. Anything else on this topic you think would be valuable as people think about managing cedar trees on native range and pasture and and maybe some things to think about as they think about what might be a best approach? We always encourage people to manage early and often. The more proactive we can be, the more cost-effective management's going to be. So being able to target those early stages of the life cycle is always going to be beneficial in terms of management cost and effectiveness. Dylan, thanks again for joining me today. Thank you. Well, for more information on the topic that was discussed in today's Beef Watch podcast, I would encourage you to visit the beef.unl.edu website. Again, the title of the article that we discussed today, Science Guide Outlines New Approach for Reducing Eastern Red Cedar. In that article, as was mentioned, you can find the in-depth resource on the topic we discussed.